This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here again, and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nate Klaus as Nebraska continuing to manage this football roster and doing a darn fine job of it as we approach uh, the middle of the month of May here. In all, Nebraska had the ability to add 30 new scholarship players uh, for their class of 2019. They counted back five, and then they have the ability to take um, uh, 25, obviously, for the year itself. Well, uh, we just learned on Mother's Day Sunday uh, they added the 29th player, um, and that's K- Kanani Noah. Did I, did I butcher that, Nate? Yes, yes, you did. Kanawai Noah. Kanawai Noah. I, I am the butcherer <laughs> of poly names. So Kanani Noah. Just, let's just go with Noah. We'll call Noah. him by his last name. But this is a big-time addition, guys. When you look at what they added here, um, you know, this is a physical receiver that can catch the ball on third down. He's proven, has almost, I think he has over 1,000 yards receiving. His biggest year, Nate, was his sophomore season um, where he was one of the top receivers, arguably, in the Pac-12 conference. He put up some very productive statistics as a sophomore. Um, and, and you look at the holes, the questions Nebraska has without Stanley Morgan. This is a big one. And you know, talk, just talking to some folks off the record and learning more about it, I mean, they really foresee some formations, Nate, with Noah – uh, J.D. Spielman and Wondell Robinson, the three of those guys being utilized on the field at one time. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's – uh, you, you, first and foremost, you can't deny the production. I mean, he's got 93 career receptions, over 1,200 yards. And so um, when you look at what Nebraska has coming back as far as their career numbers, I mean, only J.D. even remotely compares to that. And then everybody else is, is just a, a fraction of that. So – um, you know, when you when you're looking for somebody that needs to replace Stanley Morgan Jr. or or at least needs to attempt to come close to to picking up some of the slack that's going to be left behind, I think this is a huge addition. Uh, you've got somebody who is a tough football player too. I mean, he's a, he's he's a guy that can go across the middle and catch a football um, and make those tough grabs in, in traffic. Um, he's somebody that is known to be a tough blocker on the perimeter and, and kind of do a lot of the dirty work that maybe we didn't see all that much of last year. And so, um, plus he's, I mean, he's got experience and he's, you know, he's an older guy that's going to be able to come in and lead and everything. And so, uh, yeah. And, and when you start to think about formations too, you have somebody like Noah, um, in Wandale and JD out there, boy, there's, I mean, and, and who knows who's going to be in the backfield. All of a sudden you got some weapons there at your disposal. So this is a big, a big addition here. Um, and me being recruiting guy, he's from Hawaii. He's another Polynesian guy that could help open the door for, for the Polynesian pipeline. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, you know, he's from Punahou high school, which is regarded as arguably one of the top programs in Hawaii. Uh, right there with St. Louis High School, and uh, if he comes here and has a good experience, you better better believe that people back at Punahou and on the islands are going to recognize that and, and be talking about that. That that hey, Nebraska is a place we need to take a look at. So uh, there's a lot of layers to this, and, and all of them are really good for Nebraska. Well, Robin, a couple things jump out to me about this. Tony Tuioti was at Cal for two years with him, so there's some familiarity there. But even Adrian Martinez. 
I think has some familiarity of him because Adrian was recruited by Sonny Dykes, as was Noah. Um, and, and when Sonny Dykes got fired, that's when Adrian Martinez decommitted from Cal. So I think Adrian Martinez clearly is aware of this guy. They maybe have crossed paths. Um, so I, I, I think I don't know if that played a factor, but um, at least there's some familiarity with obviously Nebraska's bell cow quarterback. Well, and that's a big part, too, when you're bringing in a transfer this late in the process after spring practice. I mean, you, you got to develop chemistry in a short amount of time. And uh, assuming there is some sort of pre-existing relationship, that will go a long way into making uh, Noah an immediate impact player, which uh, you know I'm sure he's going to be, but that is certainly going to expedite the process. And Nate, you touched on it. Uh, when I watched just the quick highlight video uh, of what he did at Cal, it seems like 90% of the plays are just him making tough catches over the middle. And Nebraska has burners. They have dudes that can do track-level speed on the outside. What they didn't have was that security blanket on third and six. Who's going to go over the middle and make the catch in traffic to move the sticks? And I think that's exactly what Noah's going to bring. Toughness, consistency, reliability, and uh, a bigger body frame, um, and obviously a lot of experience under his belt that um, really adds – much-needed elements in every one of those uh, areas uh, with that Nebraska receiving core. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And, you know, as you kind of look ahead now, Nebraska does have the ability to add one more player on their 30 available spots that they have with countbacks in 2019 numbers. And I can tell you from conversations I've had and what I know today, the number one priority is linebacker. If they can get an inside linebacker preferably or just a linebacker that that can help this football team i think that is where the resources and the attention now shift for this final spot now if it is a player that is so good they just can't say no then that that's going to change but if they had their druthers nate i think linebacker is the direction they want to go and, and ideally find another graduate transfer so then it won't really affect what they want to do with their 2020 numbers yeah well yeah i think that Inside linebacker makes the most sense, uh, just with how thin you're that you are there. Uh, I mean, you've got Muhammad Barry, you've got Colin Miller, uh, Will Honus, um, you know, and then it's Joey Johnson basically because no one knows how long uh, Nick Henrich is going to be out with that shoulder. Jackson so, Hanna coming in, yeah, you got Jackson Hanna coming in too. But you know, you hate to you completely rely on true freshmen, um, you know, right out of the gate. So. Uh, it would make a lot of sense if they could add, you know, you know, a talented inside linebacker, someone with a lot of experience, someone that's played at this level before as a graduate transfer. Like you said, that wouldn't necessarily screw up the numbers for the 2020 class. Um, but there's always that that, you know, caveat where, you know, we're there's always a handful of players that are too good to, to pass on. So. Um, you know, that's that always remains a possibility, whether it's in the grad transfer market or or even, you know, in every recruiting class in general, there's there's always a handful of those guys. But, um, yeah, I think just given how thin they are, it makes a lot of sense at the inside linebacker position. I'll tell you, the transfer thing is is going to become an issue with just that 25 rule number, uh, because when you take a transfer, it counts on that 25 man line. So. Theoretically, you're losing players on your team. And I think every team in college football is going to go through this where they lose three to six guys per year, but that 25 number stays the mm -hmm. same. And I really think they're going to have to address that over time and come up with a formula like every two guys you lose, you get one added to your 25. I don't think it's going to be an eye for an eye, a one for one, but I think they need to find something to, to help that 25 rule because – 
this is a year where if Nebraska could take 33, they'd be able to do it. You know, if you kind of did the the rule that I that I put out there as far as you know uh, a ha- a half a spot per guy adds up. You know, because they've technically lost what four after spring ball, so they would be able to go 32 at this point if if that rule is in effect. Yeah, I think it's got to be. There's got to be some sort of adjustment made to the rule and. And uh, and I don't like, you know, one for one, because I think all of a sudden then you get into a really, you know, then you have like 40 man class. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, you've <laughs> got a revolving door going. And, and I don't know if that's healthy for anybody, but, um, you know, a half of a half of a spot per transfer per player that you lose off a two your for roster. One. Yeah, two for one type of deal. I think that makes sense. Um, you know, and there's going to be years where you see four to six guys leave the program and then there's going to be years where you only have maybe one or two but uh but i do think that you have to adjust the numbers uh that you can take because if you just leave it at 25 then i mean that's that's kind of hard to overcome and Uh, it makes it really hard for a new staff coming in yeah absolutely that makes it yeah extremely difficult for those i mean think if fred hoiberg was under these rules right now robin you'd have a hell of a time impossible let's say if there was a rule in college basketball where you could only take no more than three or four per year i mean it then Nebraska would be screwed. Yeah, Fred know? Hoiberg's model would be thrown out the window if that were the case. And that, that's really what football has. I mean, the, the hard cap number limits you, and it's something that is going to be discussed, especially as this transfer phenomenon grows and grows and grows. And speaking of transfer phenomenon, we're going to talk to the expert, Robin Washett, about uh, all the additions, all the moves that have happened since we last talked to Robin. Nebraska's added, what, three more players? Yep, three commits in four days. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Rachel. (laughs) Yes, the family was neglected. We will get the full Mother's Day highlights from Robin next here on all the new players added. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we are going to talk some basketball here for the next two segments, as no one has been busier on the Husker Online staff than Robin Washett, trying to chase uh, new additions, roster attrition, etc. And, you know, so much has happened since our last show. Did we even get to Amir Harris last week, or that happened after the show? Um, yeah, I think that happened after we taped. It was, I think, later that day, so... Yeah, so Amir Harris, Carrington Davis, uh, both officially um, moving on. Amir transferred to George Washington. I think Carrington's looking for a new home, as is Brady Hyman. So I think that uh, finalized the roster turnover, um, you know, we all expected. And <laughs> who would have thought that Thorier Thorbjorn Arson would be the one guy uh, from uh, not counting Deshaun Burke and Isaiah Roby that would be left standing from the Tim Miles era, but um, now it's a matter of filling out the the 2019-20 roster, and um, they've come a long way in just a short amount of time. With uh, you know, we mentioned three three commits in just four days so over the weekend. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as as we kind of discuss what they've added, Robin, um, and and let's first start on the transfer side of things. Um, they get, I, I guess, where do you want to start? Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Well, let's uh, start with the, let's just go chronologically. So Friday, Shamil Stevenson, uh, the 6'6", 240-ish pound uh, wing, if you want to call him that, um, from Nevada by way of Pittsburgh, uh, took an official visit. And I think from Wednesday to Friday and committed before he left uh, and really addressed a, another need, um, especially if he's able to get a waiver to make him immediately eligible. Um, he's... Uh, a tough kid that averaged, you know, around, you know, eight and eight 
roughly uh, as a true freshman at Pittsburgh. And then they had a coaching change where Kevin Stallings was fired and Jeff Capel took over, and they just did not mesh well, uh, Capel and Stevenson's. And he only played in four games uh, to start um, the 2018-19 season and ended up transferring at December and went to Nevada. Well, um, the plan was just to sit out uh, the spring and then the following fall be eligible this coming December. Well, Eric Musselman leaves Nevada to take over at Arkansas, and so he hits the transfer market again uh, to find his third school since December and takes one visit to Nebraska and, and locks it in. So um, because of his kind of unusual path and the amount of things that were out of his control, Nebraska feels pretty good that they can get a uh, waiver for him to make him immediately eligible. So that's, that's best case, um, that he'll be ready for the start of this season. Worst case, uh, he sits out the first semester and will have two, two and a half years of eligibility starting in December uh, of this year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and Robin, uh, Nebraska added their first ever player in program history from France. Yeah, it was a little confusing because technically Chris Ballum was from France, but I think he moved to Canada or something. And so, like, come on, Seamus. Yeah, I know. So there's some confusion about uh, Yvonne Wedraogo. That's how you pronounce it. Wedrogo. Notice how I, I, I did the Chris yeah. Fowler, Mr. Sue. <laughs> Just call him Yvonne. Yeah. So anyway, he uh, committed. So he was supposed to announce his decision um, on Sunday, but news broke on Saturday night uh, that he was going to commit to Nebraska, and he confirmed it on Sunday. And so that was the first addition uh, to a front court that needed a lot of help. He's um, bigger than people expected. Nebraska lists him at 6'9", 260 pounds, uh, which is a lot bigger than the 6'8", 230. Uh, a lot that was of, his visit measurement. Yeah, so that's what Nebraska is. You know, They measured him, and that's what they're going with. And so I mean, that's, that's plenty big for the Big Ten. The, the issue is he just turned 17 years old in March, so he is about as young as it gets uh, for a high school senior. And, you know, there's going to be some learning curve that comes along with that. But he's going to be thrown in the fire immediately. He will play. Fred Hoiberg told him he was going to play. Uh, it's just a matter of how long it's going to take him to get up to speed at the Big Ten level. But from a strength, athleticism, size, and, and even skill standpoint, I think he's plenty good enough. It's just is he mentally tough enough right now to be uh, a big factor and not just a role guy? When you worry about the cultural adjustment, mm-hmm. um, and, and we saw it a little bit even with Ty Webster um, he's a guy that would dominate when he'd play internationally with his friends yeah. in New Zealand. I think it's different for a, a guy like him, though, just because, I mean, there's so much more freedom of movement in the international level. I mean, it's just there's more spacing. There's tighter fouls called. Not a lot, as much physicality, especially compared to the Big Ten. And Ty really struggled with that, whereas uh, Yvonne is, I mean, he's played against older, you know, grown men for the majority of his uh, young career. So I don't think he's a stranger to that level of physicality. Now, again, uh, it's a different game uh, from the international level to the American level. And there will be a transition, but I think he is capable of adjusting a lot faster than other kids um, that come in internationally just because, for one, of his physical makeup. And two, the fact that, you know, he's, he's banged with you know, guys that played college ball, played pro ball, um, even a couple NBA players uh, during his time at uh, basketball academies out in France. Yeah, I read that he's from the same program that Boris Diaw yeah. and a number of so basically, Tony Parker. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, he's he's played against elite-level players. Uh, and, you know, with the uh, 
FIBA, uh, European Championships. You know, he's been a member of the French national team. That's essentially like a high-level AAU team. So, I mean, he's playing against good players, and I think that's going to help with that transition uh, once he gets to Nebraska. And, you know, without having the Chicago former Chicago Bulls head coach in Lincoln, does Nebraska even get a sniff from a guy like this? I don't know, because one of the things that he said was, I mean, obviously Fred Hoiberg uh, sealed the deal for him. Um, he was he was uh, Yvonne was recruited to St. John's by Matt Abdelmasi, and so when he Matt took back over to Nebraska, they, they immediately reached out. But I think what sold him was you know that that development, that player development to get guys to the to the NBA. And same thing uh, with Kevin Cross, who we haven't talked about yet, who committed on Monday. Uh, I mean, he's another six eight, two hundred and forty pound player that. Uh, development was the number one selling point uh, for Nebraska. I mean, these guys, every player you ask, they want to go to the league. And when you have a guy like Fred Hoiberg that has a, a tangible evidence and a proven resume of doing that, that's going to resonate with players far more than, you know, facilities or uh, playing time or conference or any of that stuff. And you look at the Big Ten now, and, and let's get to Kevin Cross first, though. And we'll talk yeah. about the John Beeline impact in, in more in our next segment. But um, as we kind of look at the big landscape of the Big Ten, but Kevin Cross, power forward out of Arkansas, picked Nebraska over Oklahoma State, and who else? TCU. TCU. So two established guys, um, they're going after him. Your thoughts on Kevin Cross? Yeah, for, uh, Cross is the definition of a late bloomer. Uh, he did not have a rivals profile or pretty much any other recruiting service profile until maybe a few weeks ago. And I know it because I, I made his rival pro, rivals profile. Uh, so uh, Is he, he ranked yet? No, he's a three-star. So they, they have him as a three-star. Um, uh, Wade, Wade Raogo is not ranked because rivals doesn't do international guys. Uh, but Cross is a three-star, and um, – it really all happened since the start of his senior year. He had a big growth spurt where he grew several inches uh, that kind of maybe changed his uh, profile a little bit. And he had a great senior year, averaging 18 points, 10 boards, uh, led his team to the, I think the Arkansas class for a state championship game. Uh, so, I mean, he, he emerged as a real impact guy uh, just this past season. And um, credit Doc Sadler. That was the end Nebraska had. Doc got cross on uh, to Southern Miss for an, his very first official visit. And that relationship with Doc immediately translated when Doc came to Lincoln. Um, it was one of the first calls he made when he took over under Hoiberg and got cross to come on an official visit uh, at the end of April. And he took an official visit to Oklahoma State and then an official visit to TCU. But I think that that visit to Nebraska and that pre-existing relationship with Sadler uh, stuck with him throughout that whole process. And um, like like uh, Wade, Wade Rogo, they're gonna he's gonna play right away. And he's he's got some learning curve in himself. I think he some strength and conditioning work still needs to be done with him. But he's got the size, he's got the skill uh, that really makes him a intriguing prospect. Uh, given you know what could happen with his development over the next couple of years. I'll tell you as we wrap it up here on the new additions. What really jumped out to me, Robin, is the balance of the numbers on the chart because. When you add nine players, it's not really easy to kind of have a balanced checkbook of all your numbers there. But they have three freshmen, three sophomores, three juniors, and three seniors, counting Isaiah Roby. So that could easily be swapped for another grad transfer. But to be pretty much at an even 3-3-3, I mean, I think they did a really good job of, of, of having it where – the recruiting numbers aren't going to be out of whack going forward. Yeah, that was really important to them when they took over because I think a lot of times first year you just get caught up in uh, taking guys to fill spots. All seniors are all freshmen. Yeah, and then you put yourself either at a real disadvantage with um, the very next offseason you're going through the whole process again or you have a whole bunch of young guys that you know you 
got to kind of all get to work together and go through the same um, early year bumps to, to get that thing going. So they great job uh, loading it up with a combination of grad transfers, junior college transfers, traditional transfers, and true freshmen to where this is about as even of a balance as you could get considering this is maybe the biggest basketball roster overhaul we've seen in a long, long time. Well, there's still one spot left technically to fill. Isaiah Roby might be two. We're going to discuss what Nebraska might do with those final one to two spots and also more talk about the landscape of the Big Ten, including John Beeline's decision to leave Michigan for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus uh, join us back here later in the show. Uh, but wanted to talk more basketball with Robin. And we teased this a little bit, but Nebraska now, Robin, with Isaiah Roby, is at 12 scholarships. Now, nobody is expecting Isaiah Roby to come back. At least that's the feel at this point. So probably safer to say they're at 11 when you look at it, do you still see them only adding one more player potentially than having one to sit on for maybe a December transfer? Yeah, I, I would anticipate that would be the way they go. And obviously the, the signing period uh, for high school kids has come and gone. So really you're looking at maybe, you know, if a transfer were to come up, um, potentially using a spot on that. But I honestly do think they will save at least one of those spots. And again, assuming Isaiah does stay in the draft. Uh, on or just holding that over into the season and um, waiting until the the mid-year transfer market opens up and I mean that's going to be a new whole new pool of talent that's not necessarily on the table right now and if that doesn't work out worst case scenario is you have an extra spot in the 2020 class in which Nebraska's already put in a ton of work and put out a ton of offers uh, on some high-level high school prospects so that wouldn't be a bad thing to have another spot at your disposal and the good thing is now especially after getting two front court pieces they're not really in any desperate spot to you you have to go get this uh this role or this type of player now you can always use another big and so if there is a, a grad transfer big that comes up on the market that um, they deem um, able to help them right away sure because you know it's similar to football it's not going to hurt you in your future recruiting it's going to help you for this season uh and it'll address a, an area of need but they're not going to reach on a guy. Um, I could also see them taking maybe another sit-out transfer to pair with uh, Delano Banton because um, Matt Abdelmasi said they like to pair sit-out guys together, at least have two uh, every year, so that those guys can go through that year off together and just kind of have a little bit of built-in support system where you know they can lean on each other when, when things naturally get tough and guys start to get frustrated. So that's certainly a, a viable option. Uh, and, you know, again, having two spots, uh, assuming Roby's gone, uh, that, that gives them a lot of luxury to go a few different routes depending on what happens. And with the transfer market, that can go all summer. I mean, Nebraska's added guys as late as, you know, the end of July. Uh, so, I mean, there's really no timetable uh, of when players need to be added. And with the transfer market continue, always being fluid, uh, having an extra spot or two just to kind of sit back and see what happens, uh, that's a good place to be, especially with the way that they've addressed a lot of their key needs already. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we talk with the roster. So your best guess, Robin, you think on that last spot, if they go one more, you go D1 transfer, traditional, grad transfer, or high school guy? 
I just don't know what's out there for grad transfers right now. I think the pool of talent for tr- sit-out transfers is much deeper. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, that they like to pair those guys together. And so right now, uh, Delano Benson's the only for sure redshirt. Uh, and so they've, uh, they've said it. They, they'd like to get another guy uh, to, to pair with him. And so I think that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, there's still a lot of just traditional transfers that are still out there um, that you know, Nebraska could take a flyer on. And so, you know, again, I think that's probably a a likely route. But if there is a grad transfer, which, you know, we haven't seen any uh, names outside of maybe Kerry Blackshear Jr., who is a absolute longest of long shots out of Virginia Tech, uh, you know, there's really no names that have kind of fit that mold. Whereas uh, Joel and Tomboy, uh, who took an official visit uh, during the spring game, uh, would be a perfect addition. I think he is number one on their wish list right now. He's 6'9", 220-some pounds, is, you know, one of those versatile fours that can play in the post but is probably better on the wing. Uh, and you pair him with Banton, I mean, that that is a nice uh, combo to put on the shelf for a year to be ready to kind of make up for what they lose with Cheatham and Cavass uh, in 2019 or 2021. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we now move forward here. I want to talk about the John Beeline thing, Robin. First of all, what was your level of surprise Monday morning when you turned on your phone to see? Because, you know, he's been rumored for the Detroit Pistons job before, and I think another one, and he didn't take those positions. And Cleveland, um, you know, comes at him with this offer, and it shook the college world, Mm -hmm. college basketball world upside down because of obviously the scandal things that are going on out there that – you know, is, is this kind of a prelude of what's to come in college basketball that some of these coaches are like, I'm just done with this. I don't want to mess with all the crap. The FBI investigation didn't really do anything to the game to clean things up. And um, the health of the game is really not good right now with the one and dones. Yeah. Um, so as far as Beeline specifically, you know, it was surprising in the sense that here we are mid-May and now he's jumping ship. I mean, usually – uh, coaching changes happen a little bit earlier than that, but uh, you shouldn't be totally surprised, as you said, considering that they just went through this process a year ago where he was a finalist and interviewed with the Detroit Pistons for that job, ended up going a different direction. But, uh, I mean, it's clear that he had his eyes set on that, and that was something that he wanted to do. And now you think about it, he went from a JV high school coach up to a varsity coach, to a junior college coach, to a D2 coach, to a low-tier D1 coach, to a high-major coach, and then now he's in the NBA. So he's literally stepped every peg And they the could ladder. get the number one pick, right? Theoretically. The, the, the Zion. The, the, the Zion tonight. The, yeah, the lottery's tonight. So, uh, yeah, so that, as far – and then that shifts the dynamic of the Big Ten. I mean, obviously he is uh, one of the pillars of this conference and has had Michigan as one of the best teams in college basketball for a long, long time. And – Um, I I personally think he is not only one of, if not the best coaches in the Big Ten, but in all of college basketball. I think that his mind for the game is exceptional, uh, and the culture that he built at Michigan uh, to replace, continuously replace the level of talent and never have really any notable drop-off was, you know, you you couldn't do a better job. Especially in tournaments. That guy was unbelievable on on turnarounds. His game planning and just ways that he did – Decided up X's and O's was incredible. So uh, now where does Michigan go from here? I mean, you're hearing names like Juwan Morgan. And Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard, sorry. Juwan Howard and Porter Mosier uh, and, you know, just Steve Wojciechowski. I don't know how likely any of those names are, but no matter who it is, it's probably going to be a pretty big step down. Doesn't I, it make you, like, really appreciate Bill Moose really and kind of how he handled the last year at Nebraska that much more? 
I, I don't think people quite understand what Moose has done at Nebraska. When you look at like Michigan right now and the situation mm-hmm. that they're in, and even the questions around Harbaugh, because if Harbaugh fails at Michigan and it doesn't work there, where do they, where do they go from there at that mm-hmm. point? And I guess in a few years, if Frost is not doing well here, you could say the same thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it, Ward Manuel went from having like one of the easiest AD jobs in America about two years ago to now having a very difficult job to hire a new basketball coach and make a very tough decision on Harbaugh as they move forward with him in the future. Yeah, Nebraska, I mean, with as far as the big men's sports, uh, is at the top of the conference right now. I mean, with their coaching hires, obviously Frost. And now Fred Hoiberg, with Beeline gone, is the second highest paid coach in the Big Ten. I mean, he, he, only behind Izzo, right? Yeah, only behind Now, Izzo. Matt Painter is going to get a raise on this new contract. Yeah. I mean, you have to think, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, so as of today, he's, yeah, so Painter should. I mean, he's, if he doesn't, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, the dude's an incredible coach as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, you look what Moose has done to put Nebraska in a pretty darn good position to where uh, they're going to be very relevant and only continue to be more so uh, as kind of the, the rest of the conference goes through some ups and downs the way it's going. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Briefly, Robin, um, AAU stuff. When are the coaches? What is it? That they're, are they only allowed to go out to one weekend a year now for high school, or like, or will they be out at uh, different events? What does the spring um, schedule, summer schedule, look like here as far as? Uh, tournaments that they're going to be out at. Yeah, it's way different than it used to be. Obviously, when the NCAA decided to revamp their whole summer basketball schedule. And it kind of backfired a little bit. It's awful. And so what they wanted to do, long story short, is basically let the high schools, like from each state, kind of run their own individual camps through USA Basketball. But then they realized that, like, no high schools wanted to do that because their coaches don't get paid enough and they already have enough going on their plate with, like, their teaching jobs and coaching jobs and all that. And so it's really just kind of blown up in their faces to where uh, nobody really knows where to go. And so right now uh, there's going to be sporadic live uh, periods. I think there's like basically a run of three or four weekends in a row uh, between May and June uh, that coaches can get out and see players. But still, July, that's the big one with uh, Peach Jam and the Under Armour and the Adidas things all going on at once. That's one weekend. That's the mega weekend. Yeah, that's the mega weekend. And so that's going to be when you're going to see the coaches really hit the road. And from that point is when you start to get a real sense of who the the prime targets are for the 2020 classes. Guys start to narrow down. And 21. Yeah, but mainly for the 20 because that's when the fall signing period is right around the corner. So um, usually that's when you see top fives, top threes, and all that stuff. Official visits get scheduled. Uh, and so that that's when that 2020 class is really going to take shape. And those are when those guys are coming in for like the Ohio State football game. And exactly. like that's the big official weekends, Wisconsin exactly. game, et cetera. But all right, we're going to come back and bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow. And she got a new internship for the summer. We'll, we'll tell you about that next and more. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and Allie Snow. And first of all, Allie, before we get to the mailbag, you got a new uh, internship for the summer. Some exciting news you shared with us. Let everybody know where you'll be spending the summer. At Big Ten Network in Chicago. So I move out there in a few weeks. I'm really excited just trying to get packed and everything figured out in such a short notice, but I'm looking forward to it. So. And this is – now Grace had – um, Matt Reynoldson had one out there before, and you, Grace has had one as well. Now, is this the same one Grace did last summer? Yep. So I'll actually be in the same department as Grace, the original programming department. So I'll be doing a lot of video work. So 
We'll have a lot of fun in Chicago. Get some pizza, hot beef. We're, Robin and I are big fans of the hot beef sandwich. Oh, yeah. Beef. I'll, hot take, beef. I'll take that all day. I yep. can't wait for the deep dish pizza. I love the deep dish pizza down there. So, Well, make sure. Is it Portobello? Or Portillo's. 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 Go to Portillo's. Yep, get a hot beef sandwich. Yeah, get you a beef, an Italian beef and the, the Chicago dog. Get it wet, yes. though, right? You have to get it wet. What? <laughs> With peppers. Sweet or hot? Both. Both. Okay. I'll write that down. I like both. We're big fans of the hot beef here. All right. Well, lo- lots, of que- <laughs> lots of questions in the mailbag. What do you got to start out with? All right. So what are the other talented grad transfers out there we're trying to get for the 2019 football season? Realistically, how much can any of these guys contribute with as much as they need to learn in the fall camp? That's really the, the debate right now. And it's just a transfer. They only have room to take one more. So you got to be really selective on what you do with this 30th spot. Um, and, and linebacker is where they're looking. And there just aren't a lot of good linebackers available right now um, on the board that jump out. So I think they're just going to keep weighing those options and looking at it closely. And if there's not a linebacker and there's a better guy available, they're going to they're gonna go that route. So um, you've got to be flexible, but I think linebacker is definitely priority number one. Yeah, the thing is, is like we don't have a list of names where you can say, well, they like this guy from this school and that guy from that school. It's, it's not as transparent yeah, as that. It's, it, this is a thing, you know, the working the, the grad transfer market or the, tra- the transfer market in general, I mean, a lot of it, the majority of it happens uh, all behind the scenes. Uh, you know, it's, it's not quite like the, the regular recruiting process with, with high school kids or even junior college players that, you know, are, are putting everything out on social media and kind of self-reporting, you know, what teams are showing interest in them or who they're talking with, this and that. Um, you know, usually you you don't really see things happen until it's a done deal. Just like Kanawai Noah, uh, who committed over the weekend as a grad transfer wide receiver. I mean, really, that was not on anybody's radar, um, you know, until it actually happened. So I, I think that whoever the, the, you know, gets that final spot, it'll probably be a, a surprise to everybody. What do you got next in the mailbag? Nebraska is about a month away from hosting its first lineman camp through Adidas. How will Nebraska's offensive line and defensive line benefit from holding this camp? How does it impact future line performance? Well, it's a big opportunity for the program. Um, The All-American Bowl Selection Committee is going to be in Lincoln because they're tied with Adidas. It's also going to be open to any Adidas school. So any football school that's sponsored by Adidas can have their coaches on campus that includes head coaches. And Nate and I have been to as many of these Adidas camps as anybody in the country. Uh, they've been around for, was it three years now, Nate, the circuit? Or, yeah, three or four years now. Um, and we've been to a good chunk of them over yeah. that period. And um, I, I'll be very curious how many coaches come to Lincoln for this. We know they come to Atlanta, and we know they come to South Florida and Tampa. Um, well, you've, they've got like 13 or 14 schools committed to coming already so it should be a very good opportunity uh for them and and i think there's i wrote this for my tunnel talk uh, 18 states or nine, 18 or 19 states represented um on the registration list already as they have about 180 linemen registered for the camp already at this point yeah it's 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 just a huge opportunity to get people on campus i think first and foremost um and get them familiar with what nebraska has to offer what you know what the facilities are like what the coaches are like what the the city of lincoln in general is like 
Um, and so I think that's how it will benefit Nebraska, um, you know, the, the most directly right away is just being able for a lot of these players um, who you hope are, you know, you hope the large majority of these guys are, you know, really good, you know, power five Nebraska type guys, you know, getting all those players on campus is, is a big deal, um, you know, for this camp. And you can kind of parlay that into an unofficial visit. Um, you know, with these guys. So I think that's the big, that's the big draw here is, is, uh, and, and here, you know, the first year or two, I, I think are going to be good, but, um, I think by like year three or four, you're really going to see this camp be like the must, the, the must, you know, attend camp. If you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman in the country, it's going to be the camp that everybody wants to go. to. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see, um, how Adidas rolls it out because I, I do think Nate, there is a conscious effort by the folks of Adidas to try to get something rolling with Nebraska. Um, because I, you know, Scott Frost is a Nike guy. He's a film night guy tied in, you know, I think they want to make that relationship stronger with Frost and Adidas. And I think this is hopefully the start of that going forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, shoot, they've been, you've got Miami, you've got Texas A&M, you've got Arizona state, um, you know, you, you've got all these all these kind of bigger schools in the in the south, um, you know, or, or kind of flashy schools, you know, like like Arizona State. They've gotten all these crazy uniforms and everything now. And, um, you know, and I think Adidas has kind of thrown a lot of these other schools a bone here. So maybe this is, you know, them kind of throwing Nebraska a bone a little bit and maybe kind of getting getting some mojo working with the Huskers and kind of, you know, maybe the start of them kind of doing something creative for Nebraska right now. We need to find, Nate, the bar all the coaches go to after this camp because that's where the real stories will that's, be told. Yeah, that's that's where the real the real stuff is going to happen. Maybe Cornusker Marriott Lobby Bar or somewhere after that yeah. camp. There'll be some pretty good coaching stories shared that oh, night, sure. I'm sure. But what do you got next here as you talk to Allie Snow in the mailbag? All right, what's the latest news on Tanner Farmer and Gerald Foster? Well, Tanner, um, I, I believe, went out to Indianapolis, Houston, Indianapolis, and he's, he's kind of weighing his options, trying to get signed. Gerald Foster just got signed um, as an undrafted free agent by the Washington Redskins. Freedom Akamaladun just got signed by the New York Giants. So a lot of these undrafted Huskers are doing really well. Um, and, and that's the – I mean, you look at that group of guys, Robin, and I mean – Am I out of bounds saying somebody should have been drafted from that group? It's kind of crazy to think that all those guys, not one guy was drafted. And early on, at least they're having success showing that they can make it at this next level. Yeah, I mean, you see what the hype of Divina Zigbo was getting down in New Orleans right now. People love him down there. And he's probably got a real shot to not only make the roster, but potentially crack the running back rotation there. And so, I mean, you could certainly uh, make a strong case for him to be drafted. Stanley Morgan has basically got Chad Ochocinco Johnson as his personal hype man on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, nice. it's, it's crazy. And so, like, the fact that these What's he dudes, saying? I haven't seen that. Uh, kind of just that they followed – Stan, like, mentioned him in, like, an interview saying that like, he looked up to Chad, and Chad, obviously, with the Bengals, uh, you know, reached out on, on Twitter, and they kind of developed a relationship from there. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, you got those two guys that didn't get drafted and some of the dudes that did get drafted, I, I'm still stunned by that. And, yes, Nebraska's roster has taken a real dip over the past few years, but there is absolutely no reason that streak had to end last year, especially with those two guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm still shocked by the whole deal, but it has been cool to see, 
um, these guys at least have some success in the early goings here. All right, time for one last question in the mailbag. What do you have next? All right, which happens first, landing a five-star football recruit or a basketball player being selected as an All-American? Ooh. Ooh. All-American. I'd say basketball All-American. I mean, I, yeah. I just think the five-star market for football is so limited to geography and legacy. Stacked against Nebraska. And legacies. Yeah. And Nebraska doesn't they, – they had a legacy in Baker Stein Cooler. But with 500-mile radius recruiting, there are no five-stars ever really within 500 miles of Lincoln. And it, then it becomes very difficult to get those kids out of their geographic regions, Nate. Yeah, I mean, you've got 20 to 25 five-stars a year. And – I'd say 80 to 90% of them are, you know, not nowhere close to, to Lincoln, Nebraska. So unless you have an in somehow, some sort of connection. Like Iowa had. Yeah, like Iowa had with A.J. Epinesa, uh, you know, with his dad being a former player there. Um, it's just going to be really, really hard. It, it's not something that you can, you know, say, well, Nebraska is good for a five-star every three years. I mean, it's not even it's not even like that. It's, it's like a once every – 10-year type of deal and who knows maybe with this thing really gets rolling it's going to increase your chances a little bit but even then it's going to be hard thing is all american in basketball is extremely difficult like i mean you're talking about 350 some division one programs with schools like duke getting like one or two a year so kentucky yeah and so i mean like that that would be a ridiculous accomplishment if nebraska was able to get i remember talking like first team all american is that what you think that was um, a question? They didn't really specify. Because okay. you have to be a Sweet 16 level team to yeah. get an I mean, All-American. You got to have team success. So that's got to come first. And then Nebraska's got to have that star, which, you know, who knows what happens a year from now. But uh, I think both of those situations are kind of uh, one of those deals where it, you wouldn't rule it out given the trajectory both programs are on. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. Allie, congratulations again on the internship. Thank Congrats, you. Allie. Thanks. All right, when we come back, Nate and I are going to get you ready for this weekend's Rivals Camp Series event that will take place in St. Louis. Tons of Husker targets will be at the event. We'll give you the full preview next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking recruiting as we're going to be busy this weekend. Husker Online team, Sean Callahan, um, Nate Klaus, Greg Peterson, and also our photographer, Tyler uh, Krecklau, we're all going to be in St. Louis. Um, the best prospects really in the 500-mile radius or in the region are all going to be there. Um, just under 200 on the list right now, Nate, and, and you know nearly all, if not all, currently hold Division One offers. We're going to get a look at almost all of the top in-state players, um, some key Husker targets. When you look at that early roster, Nate, that we're going to see Sunday morning in East St. Louis, uh, what jumps out to you right now? Well, I mean, it's just it's loaded, um, loaded with really good players. It's loaded with um, valued Nebraska targets, um, really good in-state players, especially, you know, that I think for as good as the 2020 class is, um, you know, I think that 2021 class is going to be even way better um, and, and maybe even rival the 2019 class that we just saw Nebraska sign five players from. Um, and so I'm excited to see some of those guys, especially like a guy like Drew Christo and um, who does not have any offers yet, but who I believe is going to end up having dozens of offers uh, here in short order. So uh, I'm excited to see what he looks like in person, how he competes in person. Um, and just, I mean, just all the, all the, 
the from 2020 through 2022, um, there are I don't know probably a dozen or 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 more, well over a dozen offers to just St. Louis kids that Nebraska has made that that will all be at the camp. Um, so I'm excited to see those guys. I'm excited to see Chris Brooks Jr.'s uh, or Chris Brooks. Uh, son Chris Brooks Jr. at the camp. He's a 2022 wide receiver out of SLU, which makes me feel old because I was working at Nebraska when I remember when he was a baby. Yeah, I yeah. held him in the office exactly in the Hazelwood East. So did I, and so um, so yeah, that makes me feel really old. Um, that uh, that Chris Brooks' son is going to be a sophomore next year. Uh, but he'll be at the camp. He's he's an up and coming rising prospect. Uh, so I just uh, I mean the overall collection of talent for for a Midwest camp. I think this this might be about as good as as we've seen. And you hope everybody makes it. I mean, but I think the weather is going to be good. Um, right now, the high in St. Louis on Sunday morning is 81 for the day, um, and that's always a fear when the weather gets chillier. Like we were in Chicago last year, and, and the feel was in the 30s. It was a miserable, yeah, was la- miserable. lake wind day, North Lake wind day. Um, you know, and you, you you get kids that just say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this and go out there and work out. But we should not have that problem. And they will get a pretty. Yeah, you mentioned some in-state guys that will be there. Uh, I want to see Teddy Prohaska. Uh, or Prochaska and see what he does on that stage. Um, I, I don't think anybody outside of Nebraska really knows about this guy. Some of the coaches that have come through the state now know, but he could really emerge as a guy, you know, if our people and other people see him in this camp and he does well. Well, yeah, he's going to be uh, a national recruit um, eventually. And I mean, he already has some big offers. I mean, so that's, that's not the question. He has the grades to go along with it. He's got – um, unbelievable size at six eight, two hundred and sixty pounds, and and the you know basically like a, a seven foot wingspan or something ridiculous like that. So I mean he's got all those tools. I'm so I'm excited to see him kind of go up against the best of the best in the region and and see how well he fares. And you know this could be something that really springboards his recruitment um, and kind of takes it to that next level because it's already good right now. And he's got some really nice offers, but he could become a national type of recruit after this camp. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I know he's been working really hard. And, uh, you know, and the feedback that I've gotten from a handful of coaches that have been through Elkhorn South uh, to take a look at him have, has been uh, very, very encouraging. They, they kind of have done a little bit of a, a double take. It's been a long time since Nebraska's had an offensive tackle recruit that even comes close to looking like Teddy. So. I mean, there really haven't been very many true tackles no. that have come out of the state. A lot of kids that play tackle in high school that are guards oh, yeah. at yeah. the next level. A lot oh. of interior guys, but not – I mean, Teddy's a true long, tackle. Long and, lever guy. I mean, it's been a long, long time since the state has produced a, a player that looks like Teddy. And I'll tell you, Nate um, – Gorzica, Nolan Gorzica at Ron yep. Colley is another guy that maybe you, me, and a few other people in the state know about. But from the conversations I've had with other Division One coaches that have been through the city of Omaha, he's a dude for twenty one too yeah. to watch. Yeah, big time. He's a, he's a, maybe he might be him. Him and Christo might be the two biggest sleepers in the state right now. Um, yeah, Gork, Gork is, uh, is, uh, and I, I just butchered Gorsica. that. Gorsica is uh six, five, two sixty five, three sport athlete, long lean player. 
Um, and and he's one of those guys that doesn't even know how good he is yet. No, he's got no idea. Um, you know what kind of potential he has. So, um, so he can yeah. move though. And yeah, he can really move. He moves extremely well. So, um, you know, he's one of those guys. I think you know he's. This is another you know an opportunity that could really kind of springboard him too. Uh, word gets out how well he performs and and everything. So. Um, you know, and, and kind of a huge measuring stick for him and Prohaska, for that matter, in terms of okay, these are the best players in the country. Uh, you know, or some of the best players in the country, some of the best defensive linemen in the nation um, that they're going to be facing, especially off the edge. Uh, you know, playing playing offensive tackle. So, um, you know, if if they do well, that's that's a that's a huge huge sign that these guys you know are, are kind of ahead of the curve. If they struggle, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did struggle against some of the competition that they're going to see. Then it kind of gives them, you know, some things to work on. They know what that, you know, heading into this off season or heading into this summer, they, that they need to work on uh, some certain things. And um, you know, and, and we'll probably see them at more than one of these camps. I'm, I'm sure that we'll see both these guys at the the pipeline camp and in uh, you know in Lincoln in, in June, and and so and maybe even a couple others. So um, you know, this is this is going to be a huge barometer, I think, for a lot of these a lot of these younger uh, you know talented players coming up. Yeah, and for Nebraska, Nate, are there any bigger kind of commit watch names names there than Xavier Watts? And then Blaze Gunderson out of Iowa, both those guys on this list that will be in the camp. Yeah, so I think Blaze Gunderson is probably, you know, if I had to handicap out of all the kids that that Nebraska's offered that are that are going to be at this camp that are you know that could possibly commit, I would say Blaze Gunderson is is probably maybe the closest or would what I would give the best odds to at this point in time. He's you know coming out of the spring game where they visited Nebraska for. Um, you know, he basically told us that, okay, I've narrowed it down to Iowa State and Nebraska. And I know the Cyclones have really, really been pushing hard um, and trying to trying to flip the script a little bit because I think Nebraska's got a pretty commanding lead, especially after his most recent visit. Uh, but I could see him committing at any point in time, really. And so that's somebody I would watch. You know, TJ Bowlers out of Iowa is, is a player, a 2021 20, defensive end, outside linebacker type that's visited a handful of times. He's going to be the top recruit in, in the state of Iowa uh, for the 2021 class. He's visited. Um, you know, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Travion Ford is another 2021 defensive end, uh, outside linebacker type, uh, and he's elite. I mean, this kid's got Alabama. He's got, I mean, he's he's got 20 offers already. Um, and so, but he's visited Nebraska a couple times too. So uh, someone to keep an eye on. I mean, there's there's a lot of top-notch talent, um, but out of out of all the guys that ne- I think that Nebraska has offered that they have the best shot at, um, especially with the St. Louis kids, it might be that 2021 class uh, that that they that they have better shot with. You know, guys like uh, Mookie Cooper and and uh, you know Reggie Love and and some guys like that. I, I'm just not really feeling the vibe from those guys in Nebraska at, at this point. Kevin Kevin Billingsley, uh you know, these uh, the guys that I just mentioned, the large majority of them have said that they're going to visit Nebraska or even had visits lined up and then have had late change of plans and the St. And, Louis and, nut. Yeah. And it's hard to crack that nut. It has man. been. It's been it's really been so hard, really hard to heart figure out and the distance is just far enough where it's making it hard for these kids to get here or yep. whatever reason, you know. But Well, and a handful of those guys, the last time they were supposed to visit, it was for a junior day. They ended up at the, you know, basically at the 11th hour 
uh, going to Missouri altogether instead of going to Lincoln. And so, and obviously, you know, Columbia is only a couple hour drive, whereas Lincoln is, you know, you're getting to seven, eight hours. So um, it makes it tough. But I, I think that, you know, if Nebraska continues to be persistent, um, you know, we'll see what happens. And, and just like a lot of other states, it takes one to kind of get two and, and takes two to maybe get, you know, three and, and so on and so forth. So we'll see what happens. And then, Nate, briefly, you were in Sioux Falls uh, also over the weekend, last weekend, um, and you had a chance to go to the Riggs uh, football combine at the Sanford Event Center, Sanford Fieldhouse. Um, but you spent a lot of time with Nash Hutmacher, who was named the South Dakota Wrestler or the Male Athlete of the Year? Both. Both. So Wrestler and Male Athlete of the Year did not take part in the combine, which I know that upset Nash. because yeah, he, he really wanted, wanted to. He wanted to shatter some of their uh, bench press records. But uh, just spending time with Joe and Nash, some thoughts from that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Nash Hutmacher might be one of the most competitive kids that I've been around uh, right there along with Garrett Nelson. Um, and, and so kind of a Harrison Phillips type of guy. Yeah. And Harrison Phillips, too. Uh, I mean, they're all kind of cut out of the same mold. And oddly enough, they're all wrestlers. Uh, but uh, you're right. He, he really Nash really, really wanted to go to the combine and work out and compete, uh, especially wanted to try and break the the uh, bench press record, I think, which is at 28 of two uh, 28 reps at 225. And and he told me that he knew he could for sure put up 33. Uh, so he was prepared to break that record, but he had the uh, the Argus leader did their their sports banquet, uh, and it was oddly enough right across the street from the event center. It was held in the the Sanford Pentagon. So he was uh, he came to the the combine before, and he came immediately afterwards to see how everyone did. Um, and, and in between that time, he won the South Dakota Wrestler of the Year and the South Dakota Male Athlete of the Year, uh, with two pretty impressive honors for a junior. Um, you know, and I had a chance to talk with him. He is uh, obviously he visited Nebraska for an official visit in early April. He's taking an official visit to Oregon this weekend, and then he will wrap things up with a final official visit to Wisconsin, I believe, the weekend of June 7th. Uh, and then he's going to really start to, to narrow things down and, and try to try to come to a decision. Um, you know, I know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of factors in play here, but I, I think at the end of the day, he said, I'm just going to, he feels like he's going to have a pretty, pretty good understanding, pretty good feeling for, for where he's most comfortable. I think Nebraska leads right now. I think that the Huskers will end up getting him. Uh, and that decision most likely will come in June or July. All right. Well, lots to follow on Husker online here throughout the weekend, not only with basketball, but uh, Nate and I and the team will be down in St. Louis covering the Rivals Camp that will take place on Sunday in Husker Baseball, home this weekend uh, before Big Ten Tournament starts next week here in Omaha. That's all here on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.